El... <laughs> Why am I laughing? Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Art cinema, fart cinema. Art cinema, Here lies the broken bones of L.B. Jeffries. That was what was sharpied onto uh, the cast worn by James Stewart in the original Rear Window. And it was a way of telling you at the start of the film that L.B. Jeffries has broken his leg and you're about to get his story laid out before your eyes cinematically. Uh, That doesn't happen at the start of this new rear window starring Christopher Reeve. (laughs) Because he's not playing L.B. Jeffries, he's not got a broken leg. This is art cinema, fart cinema going into the sensitive topic of Christopher Reeve acting after his accident. Uh, yeah, so uh, in, a, in Hitchcock Ups Part 2, right, I'm Simon, by the way. I'm Nadim, and welcome to Hitchcock Ups Part 2. In the first one, we talked about the 1998 Psycho. In this one, we're talking about the 1998 Rear Window. Rear Window. So 1998 was a fire year for uh, for um, Hitchcock remakes. It was indeed. And Robert Foster is in both of these films. Top of my notes. Robert Foster is in both this film and Psycho 1998. Well done! Funnily enough. Okay, so... I feel bad about calling this film a Hitchcock because this doesn't have the grand artistic statement of a theatrically released film. This is a TV movie. Exactly. So, Rear Window. We'll go into Rear Window first. Again, I think the same thing stands for... Rear Window, as we talked about in Psycho. If you haven't seen Rear Window, please just watch it because it's a fucking fantastic film and you don't want to have it spoiled for you. Although, to be honest, it's quite difficult to spoil. It's not really got the twist element that Psycho does. Rear Window is a film about Mr. Jeffries. Uh, the original is about Mr. Jeffries. <laughs> yeah. Who is a man who has broken his leg and is housebound. He's stuck in his house and he spends his days... Because this was before iPads. This was before Amazon Prime and and Netflix. You actually had to do stuff with your day. So he's covered in plaster cast in his legs so he can't move. So he's stuck in the house and he has to look out his window which is a, a lovely little enclave neighbourhood in which you can see into the windows of all the people that he lives around. And as he does so he <laughs> realises that something is amok. With the people he lives with he sort of uncovers a murder plot basically and then he kind of ends up in the thick of the murder plot and it also stars Grace Kelly so Rear Window with Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly from 1950 something 1950 something 54 54 why not let's choose 54 50 boar 54 50 boars running at me absolute classic film and it is an absolute like triumph of like atmosphere and the music's really good and the, the acting's the really good. The visual of, the, the layout of uh, the, the set neighbors. design of the neighbours. Yeah, so the, uh, amazing. it's built on this beautiful set. I mean, you would actually look sit at that window. Here's yeah, the you thing. Yeah, you, you would. You would sit at that sit window. You would look at everyone, yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, so this is one area where it's like, why would you sit at that window, Christopher Reeve? You know, there's TVs and yeah. all so, sorts of other shit. You in know? The re- <laughs> so this remake... This remake is a TV film, and it was really, I think what happened was the director of this TV film asked Christopher Reeve to do it, uh, and it would be Christopher Reeve's kind of 
debut back on the small screen, uh, not debut, uh, his return to the small screen uh, following his, uh, his accident uh, on the horse in 1985, which paralyzed him. So this film is really difficult to call out as just being irredeemable trash because it doesn't have the same obnoxiousness that something like Gus Van Sant's Psycho does, where it demands to be taken seriously. This is a TV film that is really... I think uh, it's, it's, a, really, it's a it's a sympathetic vehicle for an actor. Who's, it's meant to, yeah. to to bring this unfortunate uh, accident to the kind of public. It's to, it's to kind of give it to the public in a way, isn't it? Because mm. I can imagine people tuning in to watch Christopher Reeve as he's returned, and I think he does an admirable admirable job. I think he does an admirable effort for uh, given well given what's happened to him and given the quality of the script. So. Christopher Reeves plays a character in uh, this modern remake of Rear Window. Jason uh, Kemp. He's called Jason Kemp. The architect. He's an architect who, who has been rendered paraplegic, much like Christopher Reeves has. And the first ten minutes of the film or so are of him going through rehabilitation for his for his accident. So he's like on a frame so he can walk properly and like he's learning to eat food again or something like that or is that, mm-hmm. is that right um, and, and also there's an issue when he his breathalator or ventilator comes unattached and he starts like suffocating basically and then the nurse has to quickly plug it back in and that's actually based on something that really happened to Christopher Reeve so this was totally like an, an admirable way of bringing Christopher Reeve back into the public consciousness in a way that was like you know you're an iconic actor you've done amazing things for art and culture <laughs> Mm-hmm. And here's here's your little here's a little tribute, and I mean it's one of the last things he did. Uh, yeah. On in terms of acting, it's one of the last things he did. So yeah. However, it's not a very good remake of Rear Window, is it, Simon? Not really. So we've touched on the fact that in 1998, you probably wouldn't choose to sit at that window for any great length of time. You would find something else to do. Fucking bored. And what's more is this remake doesn't have the beautiful set that I was talking it's about. It's a big brick wall. It's a, just a brick wall with some windows in it. So he's looking out windows. At uh, other windows. It's pretty boring looking. Whereas, as Simon said, Simon says... The old school Hitchcock film. The old school film. Hitchcock film. You kind of want to be there. Like, yeah. you're just enveloped in the that atmosphere. That is beautiful. Like, like I said, the, the 300... So, before you get to the, the broken bones of L.B. Jeffries, it, the camera does a 360 of the neighbourhood and then a 360 of his room. And uh, it's a th- I've said this in a previous episode, that there's a, it's basically a three-minute exercise of giving you every bit of information you know you need to know before the film even kicks in. Mm. And it's really concise very, very good. Aye, and can you maybe tell us how the 1998 rear window starts? You know, the one starring Christopher Reeve that this podcast is apparently about. You're in the car with a woman, an unnamed woman, and then a car accident happens and Christopher Reeve uh, wakes up in hospital and he's the person that she's hit. That's right, yeah. It starts in the car of a woman who... Is on the phone. She swerves it over onto the wrong side of the road, and uh, we are aware of the fact that it's her error as a driver, and uh, he's now paralysed. But she she has died in the accident. Uh, but you talked about in the Golden Child episode of Art Cinema, Fart Cinema, 
You talked about something called Save the Cat. Save the Cat. And I actually, when you were saying it, I was like, oh, this this is making me think of this rear window thing that we were on. I was anticipating doing this podcast. I was like, I'm not going to mention it now. I'll wait. I'll save myself. But there's a Save the Cat element to to this film's script because Christopher Reeve's character is clearly, it's weighing down on him. When he questions Robert Foster, who plays uh, the the police guy uh, describing... What's happened to him? He's lost a week of his uh, life in terms of memory as well. And he's been laid up for, for a while. So he, he can't remember the accident. He's not got a memory of it. Um, and he's, he's quizzing the detective played by Robert Foster as to you know what happened. Was it my fault? Uh, if this thing is his fault and the other person's dead, it's really going to burden him like mm, in his mind. Even more, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, that's the save the cut thing of... Now we'll we'll know that this is a guy who's got like a, a, a strong sense of morals and a conscience it's about a the conscience, world. He's a, he's the good guy. He's he is genuinely the hero. He's a good guy. He's a good guy who the worst thing has happened to him. And uh, they could have explored the dichotomy when he is later in the story when he's actually making contact with the person he suspects has killed his wife, who he's watched out of the window. Should we talk about that? Yeah. We didn't even we didn't even get to the fact that the story's about. Both films are about the main character getting the idea that one of the neighbours that he's been spying on... He uncovers uh, a murder plot. That's what I said. Did you see it? Yeah. I said it. Don't worry about it. Okay, that's yeah. good. Right, yeah. So <laughs> in this new film, he ends up emailing the guy. <laughs> and he uses lines like, you're going to lie awake at night, you know. But I think his full sentence, his full line is something like, you're going to lie awake waiting for them to find you. You know, you're going to be waiting for them to find you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is, but he's trying to hit the villain in the same area of weakness that he has himself of his your mind is your own worst enemy sometimes. Your conscience is your own worst enemy. I thought that would be... It would maybe be interesting to have explored that in a more explicit way where uh, the dichotomy isn't actually there. Like, no, you, you can't... This is a TV movie. But, you know... You, you, All the edges need to be rounded off. But you can't be a hero and then try and fuck up a villain over the fact that you're going to feel bad about something because he's not going to feel bad about it. Because he's a bad guy. He doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, So this, trying to use that as a stick to beat him with, your conscience is going to kiss this. No, it's not me. I've killed people. I'm a bad guy. And I'll kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, you're right. Um, it's it's good spirited. This film's good spirited. It's it's pretty humble. It doesn't make any grand artistic statement, and and it pretty much comes and leaves pretty pretty nicely. I think we're probably <laughs> it's probably a bit dumb doing this alongside uh, Rear Window. No, alongside the Psycho remake purely because they're not very comparable in very many ways. Um, but that's interesting as well. Of course, Con- of course. Compare and contrast. Of course, but um. I, oh, I actually, I wrote in my notes, very Simon film, as uh, he is more of a perv in this than the classic film. <laughs> because right. when he gets the telescope at first, when he's looking, when he's looking into the neighbours, he's like, oh, she's pretty pretty. <laughs> well, he doesn't, he's, uh, he's not got a telescope, he's got the video vid- camera. Oh, video camera, sorry, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's what I meant. He's yeah. literally video recording his, uh, his... Neighbors. Yeah, they kind of—it's like they make jokes about it. Uh, you know, um, so he's got his—he's uh, got his friend who he's hired. He's hired him away from the re- rehab place That's right, yeah, to yeah. come and work for him personally. 
And uh, and then, of course, Daryl Hannah plays the Grace Kelly character, but not as an actual love interest, really. More just a companion of some sort. Uh, well, she's taken over his work, so he's actually a little bit... Reg- uh, oh, so, yeah, so yeah. He's got a bit of a, an axe to grind over her moving in on his work, mm. you know. The, they, they kind of laugh off this whole thing of setting up two video cameras. There's one going on upstairs it's as so well. so bizarre. They yeah, laugh yeah. it off as, yeah, but what harm's he doing? He's just a crippled dude. He's <laughs> just a crippled guy filming strangers. That's yeah, fine. so they kind of, you know, if I was a police person, then I would have the obligation to do something about <laughs> this, but since I'm not, we'll just joke about oh, it and move you. on. Oh, <laughs> you. Shucks, you know. Are you, what are you filming here? Like, goes, is he not filming a girl getting changed then? <laughs> he, he makes a joke that, you know, uh, after dark it goes from a PG-13 to a hard R. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the only thing, it's hard, eh, Chris? Yeah. So, like, the bad guy in this is actually a sculptor as well. Um, I don't know if we know <laughs> anything. What was the sculptors? Yeah. Don't <laughs> Simon's a sculptor. <laughs> well, you know, this I, isn't a joke. Simon's legit a sculptor. <laughs> Simon can sculpt. Uh, yeah, I can feel 3D. My first sculpture teacher said this to the class. What we're going to establish is, can you feel 3D? Is this true? Yeah, and I was like, everyone can... What do you mean? <laughs> everyone can feel 3D. Listen, bitch. <laughs> I can feel... I can feel 3D since I was born. <laughs> okay. Imagine that you were just a really gifted guy, but you didn't like realize that you were as gifted as you actually were, and it was like, yeah, of course I can feel three D. Yeah, like, like imagine you had a superpower and you just assumed everyone else was like that. Then what? Well, that's what this class was because, in fact, feel three D. Some people can't feel three D. What does that even mean? Feel three D. Does um, that mean you can catch a ball or? What? No, right, so... Feel 3D. It's, repli- it's it's a question of replicating in three dimensions. So, yeah, oh. if you've got three apples on a, a plate that's got drapery over it as well, uh-huh. if you've got to then replicate that plate with the apples and the thing, some people actually get f***ed <laughs> up and they can't make the plate round and they can't get the, the distance right. When they're making a sculpture. Because they're too busy thinking in terms of like someone drawing something. That, that, oh, that, they're that, not feeling 3D. They're not building the 3D object. They're rendering it from a sort of 2D, a 2D perspective, perspective in 3D material. What the fuck? Sometimes that happens and you're that's like, whoa, amazing. that's mental. All right. So it's not a superpower. But Art school. Art school, man. It's not a superpower as such. Uh, the sculptor in this film is played by a guy that I recognised and I was like excited. I was like, I know who that guy is. He's in The Dark Knight. His, his, his acting name, is he's called Richie... So Co- he is. Richie Coster. He's in The Dark Knight. He's the guy who delivers the line, My dogs are hungry! <laughs> and then he sees like a, a Dark Knight uh, silhouette of the Batman-ish person. Like, Too bad there is just one of you. And it turns out, of course, that there's lots of them because they're all vigilante tots and hockey pads. Um, yeah, but that's the guy. He's the f***ing sculptor in this film. Well, there you he's go. the killer. <laughs> and he's British as well. He's like a total alpha male, angry guy who throws things around and k- kills women. And, you know, it's this thing. I'm, I've got to keep my angst, man. Sculpting angst. That's money in the bank for the artist. Angst. <laughs> he's that kind of... The uh, killer artist. hard knocked with a leather jacket, sort of... <laughs> Chewing on gum all the time. I've got to maintain my angst for my heart. And, kill my wife. and that has that gets the money rolling in. That gets me my nice blonde girlfriend happy. Jewelry in the box, you know. The thing is, he watches her. He so Christopher Reeve's character watches this guy beat his wife, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, I guess that's pretty bad." <laughs> like he's, well, the first time. <laughs> 
they're going at each other because they've just found out. She's just discovered that he's got a, a, an online girlfriend. Or oh, something. that's right. Yeah. Oh, but then, course, when it, this 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 movie is like, uh, it's meant to be really futuristic. So, like, the online girlfriend thing is like, uh, ooh, people like, have this emails because this, this is a TV movie. It's obviously meant for like old people who live at home, and everyone lives at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I live at home. Confined to your armchair by choice. Correct. People who are confined to their armchairs. Not by choice. So it's meant for us. That's why I don't think it's very tense either. I think I think they literally have to just like people. People, if you if you're someone who decides to stay in front of your TV, then that is by choice. No, I'm talking about like old people, like like people who can't leave the house and stuff. You know, people like this character. I think it's intended for more people than just the uh, mobility. I don't think you're actually completely right. Yeah. This wasn't a niche film for you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, next that. We interrupt this podcast to bring you Meme Drome. Daryl Hannah, Christopher Reeve and Daryl Hannah, two actors I've got a lot of affection for. I love Christopher Reeve's Superman films. I love Daryl Hannah in Blade Runner and Splash, two very different movies, but... Is she not in... She's lovable in, in both Tarantino film, isn't she? Oh, she's in Kill Bill. Kill Bill, that's right, yeah. She's, uh, she's, she's a lovable little uh, Daryl Hannah person. Wait, what's she doing now? Yeah, I don't know. Probably chilling in the hot tub. But I was, uh, you know... Wanted to be kind to this film. It's a bit like Herbie, you know, where uh, I just want to say, oh, come on, oh, give it, yeah. give it a break, Nadim, give fine. it a break, you know. Yeah. But um, no, no, it's, it's it's pretty, it's pretty ropey. And uh, one thing I really don't like about it, and I don't know if this is going to come across as like you've got hang ups, but I just feel it's it was unnecessary for them to actually develop the thing with Daryl Hannah into she's actually romantically interested in him. I thought it was a bit unnecessary. It's probably just because they're beholden to the original plot, right? But they they weren't. Mm. They could have just yeah. had it end with uh, their respect each other, whereas at the start he was unwilling to to give this girl some time, but now he likes her. That mm. could that could just as easily have been the arc there. Yeah, uh, you know. But uh, no, they they it's bring in Hollywood, baby. They bring in the fact it, it, it breaks the show don't tell rule thing. It's like you're being told that this girl's romantically interested in, in Christopher Reeve but you're not seeing it you're not seeing it. it's not like the chemistry has, doesn't like no chem no happen. chemistry yeah, yeah uh, no and way. I mean it's, it's it's kind of a hard thing to do if they were going to make like a, a regarding Henry style uh, you know that's the film with Harrison Ford uh, if they're going to make like a film where it's actually about an intimate relationship where someone's impaired in some way and stuff you know it's a sensitive thing that would take a long time to devote you know, like screen time screen to, time yeah, to yeah, yeah. yeah so they can't do that so they just have to have the dude say to the guy uh, who looks after him his helper is like you know she really likes you man you know and that, you know. <laughs> well, he's like a total hammed up stereotype he? yeah, yeah totally likes you she, 
you know, I'll, te- I'll tell you, man, with women, the waters run deep, man. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so apparently the waters run so deep, uh, but, uh, you know, you're basically being told that Daryl Hannah's got this interest in him without it really being very... It, it feels very tagged on and like, oh, did you have to go there? Yeah. But I feel kind of like maybe that's one of the, th- the things, the awareness-raising thing of like, you know, look, I'm in a wheelchair, but a man still... Of course, you know, you've still got a life, definitely. Still got a life to yeah. lead. And I kind of feel like, you know, no one ever talks about... Um, I don't know if anyone's ever claimed to be haunted by a celebrity ghost before. But this might happen to me after this podcast. I'm probably going to go to sleep tonight and Christopher Reeve's ghost is going to be like, Simon, why would you... <laughs> why would you deny me happiness, Simon, because of my condition? <laughs> I actually love Christopher Reeve, man. He's so good. He's so good. Actually, if if any ghost haunted me, I'd want it to be Christopher Reeve's ghost. Do you think? That I, I could, love that man. Do you think I can talk Christopher Reeves's ghost down from the aggressive, you know, like from whatever anger he's got over me, kind of complaining about that element to the plot of the film, like you shouldn't have gone there. Do you think that maybe? After a bit of discussion, he would understand where I'm coming from, or do you think he would still say, Simon, you are phobic of paraplegic sex? (laughs) (laughs) You need to get over your hang up. I don't know. It's not a hang up, I just don't think it comfortably fits into the movie. I think it's segued in there, like, oh yeah, and now she's going to, you know, like, get naked in front of him. This film, it's just got such a positive thing to it. Uh, it's very positive. Yeah, it is a bit rosy. It's though. very positive. I actually, I'd really do, I'd love to watch, and I don't really like biopics, but I'd love to watch a biopic of Christopher Reeve. That'd be amazing. Yeah. That'd be so good. Because he has such an amazing, he has such an amazing life. Like, like he, Maybe Brandon Ruth will play him in a film. <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. No, no, but like, he like, devoted his life to good causes. Yeah. After. You know, like, he was just, he was an inspirational guy. Very cool. Uh, Sorry, I don't know why I went off on one. He's a nice guy. Robin Williams was a good personal friend of him and stuff. You can just imagine Robin Williams and Christopher Reeve. Maybe both their ghosts will come back. Robin Williams's ghost will probably put Christopher Reeve's ghost up to it. He'd be like, so this podcast has come out. They talk about... <laughs> These are cinema farts cinema guys. I can't do a Robin Williams impersonation. <laughs> I don't really but, know. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, Robin Williams's ghost is now going to put Christopher Reeve's ghost up to making my life hell yeah, yeah, because yeah. I've just suggested that there's problems with Rear Window in 1998. <laughs> the TV movie. <laughs> How do I, I... I'm going to have to... I mean, where do I go with, with, when this when this happens? Because it is going to happen, obviously. I'm not just, you know, like, fantasising about something here. This is going to happen, like, mm-hmm. tonight. Tonight will be the first night... And what if you actually know. have a night terror about this? Like, like forget, forget, like, the actual metaphysical... Th- aspect of it what if your brain just thinks you know what I'm going to haunt this guy's ass tonight and then you do actually get haunted by a it's like uh, yeah, it's like uh, uh, Jason Kemp played by Christopher Reeve the level of uh, how his conscience kind of comes for him while he's worrying about whether the accident was his fault mm. and he tries to use that against the villain of the film and it doesn't work because the villain doesn't have a conscience much like that my conscience is attacking me right now and I'm already preempting ghosts visiting my room tonight, yeah, yeah, yeah. namely Robin Williams and Christopher Reeve. Just sitting at the They're feet just going to sit at the foot of my bed and Robin Williams is going to be like, there he is, Chris. There he is. There's Slightly the- de- demonic as well. Like, like not, not, not like the pure people that we know. More like they got crazy eyes and they're dribbling and they got big ass teeth and stuff. Yeah. You know? They've been possessed slightly. Well, I mean, if they're ghosts, they're like in uh, Beetlejuice, they're able to fuck around to do that deliberately. As you know, they've got more to work with than just you know, like uh, 
a sock puppet. They can actually rip their faces off if they want and stuff. Yeah, and just so I'm not going to enjoy this. I think it's going to be quite harrowing. Um, maybe I'll make a second podcast about dealing with it, and I'll be inviting people to you know suggest where I go to help for help because you know I don't know any psychic. Invest- Semi skim milk. Psychic investigator. Semi skimmed milk apparently is is good for that. <laughs> for for ghost yeah. night terrors. You, you've got yeah. to pour it all over your body. You've got to give it a rub with a, one of those special sponges. You know those sponges that are like grown instead of. Like but you see, if I sit in a bath, if I sit in a bath with skimmed milk, yep. all that's going to happen is Christopher Reeve and Robin Williams's ghost will sit at the foot of the bath. No, 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 no. That's what the milk does, baby. Robin Williams's ghost is going to be like, look, Chris, look what he's doing now. He's, he's bathing in milk. He's sitting in milk like that's going to help him. Fucking <laughs> idiot. He <laughs> just waits. Imagine they sit at the and, foot of the bath and just drink the milk. And Christopher Reeves is like, I just can't believe you would deny me happiness because of my condition. He's just drinking the milk, drinking it up. Daryl Hannah. So, yeah. Right, no, we're going to, we're going to skip over me saying Daryl Hannah. <laughs> There's no reason for me to go Daryl Hannah. Uh, Daryl Hannah. Um, she, she was an actor, she still is, but I think that she's probably not up to much now because, you know, the eight, you know, Hollywood is like it's obsessed with people's youth and uh, you, you know it's very few people get to be old and charismatic like uh, George Clooney Sean Connery Helen Mirren oh Helen Mirren Angel I love yeah. her bless her do you like George Clooney though for real not really no, no I think he's a bit of a p- <laughs> he's okay I want to put him in the I've not really seen him in anything that I really, I'm not seeing him in anything that I really like. Yeah. Well to get you know, you need to watch uh, From Dust Till Dawn still, because I've given you the DVD. Oh, of yeah, that. I still haven't watched that. You know, like yeah, no, George Clooney's got the edge over even Brad Pitt in terms of like uh dominance, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Brad Pitt's his little bitch. Brad Pitt just looks like in kind of... Osh- Oceans, whatever it is, you know, yeah. all those films, uh, Brad Pitt is like his little wet bitch. <laughs> Brad Pitt, do you think he looks kind of ratty now? Mm, I, know, I hope, oh, well, well, we're I hope he's not listening to this. Imagine Brad Pitt sitting like, yeah, because if he, <laughs> yeah, because if he comes to your room at night, it's actually him. He's not it's dead. It's actually yet. him, and he's got. He's mach- actually he's kicked got the door down. Yeah, and he says, you know, uh, I've taken time out of preparation for my Quentin Tarantino publicity tour mm. to come and kick your ass, and he probably would. Uh, over remarks about me looking like a wet bitch next to George Clooney. Yeah, mm. we're not going to make many friends in Hollywood. I'm not anyway. I don't. You're, you're probably still fine, but I, um, yeah, <laughs> even the dead ones want to kill me and bring me back to to their corner of heaven. They, they, if they're in heaven, then they they can drag me to their side of heaven to make it a hell for me. So I'll be in heaven, mm. but hell because of. The fact that they they that they're torturing me, of course. Yeah, it's yeah. on. It's gone a bit weird. <laughs> I'm going to blame it on that doll staring at me. You know, I've got a, I've got a bald, a porcelain type doll thing, creepy ass doll <laughs> staring at me right it's now. It's staring right. It's kind of staring at me now. It changed. It kind of follows it. Oh, its head actually moved. <laughs> it's actually walking along the floor. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Oh, don't man, don't. <laughs> Do do you have a a closing thought on rear window or a a middle ground thought? Rear window? More like beer window. 
Because you wish. need to be drunk to enjoy that mo- movie. Yeah, I know. I, I think that I had a few beers the first time I watched it, and then the second time I watched it sober because I thought it's probably more responsible to talk about a film that you've seen sober. Rear window, more like deer window, because it's like when you're in your car and you hit a deer and then it hits your window. That's going to be a costly... It's going to be costly damage. It's a steer window and a deer window, because if you'd steered properly, uh-huh. you'd have avoided the deer. Correct. So it's, yeah, so it's uh, it's not quite a, it's not quite a crash, right? It's not quite a car crash of a film, but it's more of like a, a, a deer in your window, going to have to be kind of expensive. Goodness sake, this is not what I need right now. I've yeah. got bills to pay. You know, yeah, it's a it's a burn without the crash. It's Correct. like a sort of when you just burst into flames for no reason. Is there what spontaneous combustion? That does happen. Yeah, when you just burst into flames for no reason mid sentence, talking about Christopher Reeve's ghost. <laughs> um. Uh, Darl Hannah. 